Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to hear from them about a meaningful video game from a particular moment in their life. On the show, we'll talk as much about what made playing that game special, memorable, and fun for our guest as we will get into the context of how and well, how and when they had this particular moment with it in the first place. A little bit of housekeeping up top, uh, and anything that me or my guest plug today, you can find in the show notes. You can go ahead and click a link. You don't have to Google uh, at all to find that. Uh, first and foremost, you can check us out on social media. We're on both Instagram and Twitter, and there you can find out what episodes are coming out which week. You can learn a little bit about our guests and how you can support them and what they're up to, and then also check out the cool show art that I make for every episode. Uh, you can also support the show by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows, but I can only read the ones on Apple Podcasts. Those are the only ones that are public-facing, so if you leave one for us somewhere else, feel free to DM me, message me about it, because that helps our show a lot, and it makes me feel good, so I'd love to read that on the show if you'd like. Uh, you can also share the show with a friend, whether they love video games in general or the game we are discussing on the main event today. And then lastly, you can check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super radio, where we have a ton of bonus video game content every week there from the makers of this show and a bunch of other shows on our network, uh, including uh, by the time this episode comes out, Two days after that, on Friday, for all DJ Toads, we are beginning our Sonic Adventure Games Club. So uh, go ahead and grab a chili dog and get ready for that 12-week saga of going through that wacky game. Uh, it should be a blast, and there's a bunch of bonus stuff there. You can check it out on the link. Um, but that'll do it uh, for the housekeeping of this episode. And I'll go ahead and introduce our guest for today. So please welcome game critic and content creator, Janet Garcia. Yo, what's good? Hey, welcome back. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, admittedly, you know, I first knew of the show just by the name of the show. And for the longest time, I would, because, you know, we have the crossover of like the Minimax plug or whatever, right? Yes. Which is, I think kind of how I first heard about um, Call Me By Your Game. And every time I would like mention it or hear it or say it in my household, we go, Call Me By Your Game, like the little Nas X song. <laughs> And yes. then I was like listening to the most recent episode y'all did on Sonic Shuffle, I think was the last one. Yes. And I like searched it up and then I saw Call Me By Your Name, like the movie stuff. And then I saw the art is like the same. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Like, yes, like, yes, like, yes. That makes a, a bit more sense than the uh, really specific Lil Nas X song reference. But totally in my in my heart, it's still Call Me By Your Game. So thanks for having me on here despite that monologue. Hey, you know what? That was that was really fun and honestly it's so it's fun to under like you know to hear from someone who is you know loosely familiar with the show and like what might go through their brain. So that was actually really entertaining for me. Uh and I I will say, you know, uh having been here from the beginning of the show's creation as the creator. Uh that song also pops into my head and I don't say the name, I say game as well. So, you know, I'm glad to hear that somebody else has had that experience. Um but uh, yeah, on the show art, I mean, I'll plug this at the end, is done by uh, an Australian artist, Glenn Jay, who just did an incredible job um, with the painting of, of me and Mario. Um, anyway, uh, all that being said is that, Janet, I know you because uh, you're a content creator. I've heard you um, all the way back on uh, on NVC at IGN. Yeah, yeah. But And then when you joined, um, a little context from like, you know, 
my me seeing you throughout your career is that when you first guested on MinMax, I was like, oh my gosh, like Janet's on MinMax. That's someone I really like guesting with people I really like. And here you are doing stuff with Kind of Funny. You've got your own outlet, Pendapixels. Um, I've kind of given a couple bullet points here, but uh, what do you want to share about yourself and what have you been up to? Yeah, um, I... You know, as you mentioned at the top, uh, game critic and content creator, I think, is the most accurate way to encompass everything I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a freelancer by trade, but I roll with a lot of different companies. So I do PS I Love You, XOXO, ever kind of funny. That's our PlayStation podcast. I do stuff with MinMax. We do the Pillar podcast, the MinMax show. Uh, we also have a lot of other content that I feel like people sort of like forget is there, you know, we do like new show plus, like, which is like a, like a little stream show on Twitch. And then we have like our random streams. We do, we have uh, the deepest dive. There's like a lot of other content that, you know, we produce. So I'm involved in different parts of all that content, depending on, you know, scheduling, uh, availability right now, I'm running our social media while the head of, uh, MinMax Ben Hansen is out on paternity leave. So I've been yeah. doing that, which has been um, a minefield in the wake of, <laughs> you know, one of the platforms has a different name now, and then there's threads, and, and I know y'all talked about that last episode too. So, you know, we're all kind of navigating. I think that the oddities of that space, but uh, you know, I also do my own stuff. So on Pen to Pixels, that's where I write my own reviews for when I can make the time and I get a code directly for a game. I'll pump out a review. I'll try to do uh, best of lists throughout the year. This year has been kind of funky with that. I stream on my own channel. So I have a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think if you like my work and you like my voice, the best place to support me in a monetary sense is patreon.com slash game Um, You get a little bit of extra content there in terms of, you know, early access to things, some behind the scenes stuff. There's a tier where I can send you a letter from a video game world and people have a lot of fun reading them and then trying to guess like, what world I'm writing from. And I kind of oh, cool. very explicitly write it at the end, you know, like, oh, I'm from in, in Mario 64. You know, I just kind of try to shoehorn <laughs> the name of it in there. Yes. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I do a bunch of stuff. Like I'll jump on, you know, random shows like this one from time to time. Um, I just started doing a podcast called The Indie Council with uh, Jill uh, from Indian Former is the one that kind of spearheaded yeah. it with, uh, you know, we got Jenny Windham from, you know, who's, known from Wholesome Games, who also does a bunch of other work. We have Mike Coundro, who's in PR and also does 6-1 Indie. So it's sort of this, like, meeting of the minds indie show that we just started, like, last week that we're kind of barely getting out there. Um, gosh, other things. I do consulting. Like, I kind of do, I do hosting for events. I yeah. do a bit of everything. I just kind of want to be out here playing games and talking about games, critiquing games. That's my bread and butter, whether it's written, it's podcast, it's behind the scenes consulting um, and, you know, hosting stuff too, where it's like, that's more just on stage presence kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's what I like to get into. I've been freelance for like, I don't know, maybe like, I feel like it might be three years already. It's been a long time and I'm kind Congratulations. of still, thank you. I'm still surprised that I'm like, you know, the water is still running. The lights are still on. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's it's been a lot of fun. So that's a bit of what's kind of on the back of my baseball card at this point. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and and yeah, congrats on all the all the success. And it has been really like I was saying earlier, it's been really fun to see you go from just as someone I like liked at IGN and someone who'd pop in on, on NBC. And I'd be like, because, uh, you know, you there's a million shows out there. There's a lot of people making video game content. So when you find someone that you appreciate their voice, at least for me, 
um, I like to just see how those people are doing and and support them. So sure. yeah, it's so cool to see just where you are now and and just like yeah, you've got you're just like a jack of all trades now when it comes to like content creation and, and all that. So congrats again. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's nice to have the freedom to just kind of pursue whatever I'm into and to get to collab with other um, companies and people. Like there's so much um, skill and passion in the space and different angles on content. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, there's so many different podcasts out there, but what's fun is that I feel like everyone is valid and has a different like angle or way to approach it or way to make it their own. Um, You know, there's so many ways to have these conversations. Like it's really fun to be a part of all these different spaces that approach it from a little bit of a different angle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, again, that's so cool. And if you have anything else that comes up that you feel like uh, sharing about uh, today, by all means, please do, um, whether it's about yourself or your career. Um, I do want to hear about your history with video games in general. But before we do, will you please introduce the game you've brought on today and call me by your game? Yeah, I got Super Mario Land 2, six golden coins. Can't wait. Uh, I say this on occasion, but... Uh, a guest doesn't have to bring a game that I'm familiar with. In fact, like Sonic Shuffle, as you probably heard me mm-hmm. talking to Skylar, I've never played it, but might be playing it for, for our games club soon. But Six Golden Coins is one that I like had as a kid. So I'm really excited to hear, um, you know, what your experience is like. But uh, anyway, we'll save that for the main event later. Um, I'd like to start, you know, at the beginning for you. Do you remember... Uh, first taking an interest in video games or were they something that was more like just around for you and you gained consciousness? Yeah, they were already around when I gained consciousness, which is a (laughs) really like odd but accurate way to word it. I've never heard anyone word it that way. But yeah, like I was, you know, born in the darkness of gaming. (laughs) Um, I tell the story a lot because it's, you know, same history, right? So um, my brother, I have an older brother who's six years older than me. And he was the one that had gained his or, like organic interest in gaming. And he just got into it from seeing other kids play games and being yeah. like, I want to do that. Like He tells this story about being at, I forget if it's a cousin's house or a friend's, but it was her birthday party and she was playing um, like one of the old Mario games, like probably you know the console Mario game, right? Yeah. And everyone's watching. You know how they make that joke or meme of like, don't feel bad if you only have 10 viewers because if you had 10 people in the room watching, like she had that, <laughs> like she had the 30 kids fixated like one one like people were just like waiting their turn hoping to be called you know yeah and and that's kind of when he fell in love with it he asked for a console um there was of course like a man you're not gonna i'm not gonna do that like it's gonna be so much money like are you even gonna want it Mm -hmm. um eventually i think it was my grandmother who ended up buying all this stuff but either way like they started him off on the uh the snes junior was the first oh yes yeah, the, that's the version if, I have. I, I never really? had one growing up, but in 2020, I, you know, constantly a theme of the shows, I make it about myself, even though I asked you to talk about yourself. But in 2020, I finally bought uh, an SNES and the best deal I could find was the Junior. And I love the little thing. I love the Junior. It's really cute. It's tiny. If you've never seen it, definitely Google it because it looks really different than the SNES, like the what most people think of as the SNES. But for me, like the SNES was the SNES Junior. So when I grew up and I saw what a like regular SNES <laughs> looked like, I was like, ooh, it's weird. It's all boxy. But like the Junior is like very smooth. And yes. I think, uh, let me know if you remember like what the big difference is. It is a little bit nerfed, like as most Nintendo additional SKUs are. Like what? Mm-hmm. what's the 
situation I, there? Like, what is was, different about it? You know, I was thinking about this recently because someone else was talking about the 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 junior, and I want to say, and I could totally be wrong here, that like the sound chip isn't as strong, or there's like there's something like that. I think graphically it's the same, but it might have something to do with the sound. Yeah, like I can't. I'm. It's it's not like better or anything. It's the compact design. It's like a whole thing. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to Google it around and see if I can pop that. I'll back take out a look to, too. Yeah, just to give people a little bit more context for it. Cause it was like the cheaper model. And it, for those who don't know too, it was released like as like the N64 was already out and about. So this was like <laughs> the console that kind of classically in Nintendo fashion, it's like, who is this for? Like, why is this thing like coming yes. out now? And they, they do that a lot. Like if you remember that the little nerfed Wii that like had no internet connection, oh, that was my gosh, red, yeah. like that was, yeah, SNH Junior, SNH Junior wasn't that bad. Like the experience didn't feel that different, but it was like a little bit, different from the the core one but anyway that was our first console so that came into the home and i i remember just playing games on that and that's where i started um it's tough to remember like what is the first game i played sure um definitely played you know plenty of mario games uh yoshi's island is a another one that sticks in my mind heavily and i had considered bringing that one on as well it's one of my favorite games ever um th- yeah it's interesting thinking of like so many great games that came out back in the day being like your intro into video games, yeah. like those are still obviously some of them didn't oh, they're great, but like some of them are still <laughs> talked about now and, and really revered. Um, but yeah, that kind of kicked it off. You know, we went from N64 from that uh, hit up the GameCube and PS2. That's when we did the my brother's, you know, we've always had a good relationship. So we like shared game like there was no like, oh, this is my console. and You have your like there, we just hung out and played games all the time together. Yes. Um, so at a certain point, like I would be the one asking for like the PS2 and then he'd have like the GameCube and we'd mm-hmm. like have the split. Ro- so, okay, we go to your room to play the GameCube and my room to play the PS2. And I always joke that if we had a third sibling, I would have played Xbox earlier, but we didn't. So it's like, I can't, <laughs> I can only get the two and we're just going to go with what we know, you know? Yes. Can, can um, I ask you about this period a little bit? Yeah. So um, like, it sounds like from like, you know, the time you got the junior and please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, sure. but that like that was games were an interest and a hobby of yours, too. It wasn't like like that was your jumping off point and you were in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. It was just like that, um, you know, classic thing of you kind of just do. It's so interesting, like because as a kid, you're just so like it's so easy to do everything right. It's yeah. easy to make friends. It's easy to like do things that are scary for the most part. I, I think I was kind of a neurotic child, which you know, maybe has carried through in adulthood. Like I wasn't as adventurous or had a, you know, the, mm-hmm. but you don't have a lot of perception as a kid, right? You don't know about danger. You don't know about anything. You just hang out and you just do whatever's fun. And that's it. And it's such a fun time. And yeah, that was games for us. Like our main thing was gaming. We played all the time. We do the pass the controller back and forth. Like we'd have our own save like files, but he'd play like, it's like, okay, today we're playing, you know, I'll make it up as an example, like Super Mario 64. I'm going to try to get, you know, these stars in this painting. And like, it's funny because we help each other out. Like if we got stuck on something, but then when it was the next person's turn, they had the advantage because they were like, okay, I, I know what you just did. I'm just going to do that and I'll go yes. further. And it was a fun back and forth. And the only con of the back and forth is when you get to the end of the game, because you watch somebody beat the boss. You don't get the like experience of like doing it. And then you then you have to go do it. And now it just feels like work. It's like, yeah. I just have to fight my way. It's like, there's no surprise anymore. Like all of the spoilers were kind of yes. out there. Um, 
but yeah, you know, my brother definitely helped me out with a couple um, boss battles, I think, in 64, too, because some of that stuff is a, was a little tough for me at that age. Um, but totally. yeah, I've been playing video games as a hobby since I was five. So it's been well over 20 years, almost 25 years of wow. gaming uh, at this point. You know, I've said congrats a few times on this podcast, but congrats again. That's that 25 years with gaming. Look at that. Thanks. Um, You'd think I would play more games based on the amount of years it's been. Gosh, but, you know, some feel, of those years I kind of dragged my feet a bit. So Yes. I, like, uh, and all of... There's something that will come up about that later, like a question I usually ask people, you know, even someone like yourself who's been playing games quite consistently for such a uh, long time. Um, about that period as well, like the maybe the PS2 GameCube era where you two were like, you know, first maybe sharing consoles. Um, are there any experiences on those consoles that you remember sticking out to you? Yeah, I think one of my most vivid memories, I got a couple. One is playing... Um, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. That's oh, like so one of my good. favorite games ever. Um, it's also was kind of unlike games we normally played in a sense. Hmm. Like I grew up on, you know, the Nintendo stuff, which is heavily, especially back then, heavily platformers, maybe a little bit of third person action adventure, but mostly like cartoony. Like I wasn't, that's why I'm not as good at or drawn to, you know, FPSs, like different. So it, it was so long until I played a first person game, even because like Nintendo didn't really make those except for Metroid, yeah. which I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Anyway, <laughs> but with Metal Gear Solid 2, so many things stick in my mind. Um, the opening, um, watching like the rainfall on the bridge. And I remember looking at it and thinking, wow, like this is the pinnacle of graphical fidelity. Like this yes. looks like a movie. It didn't look like a movie. I don't know why I had said that because I had seen movies and movies looked a lot better than that. But in my <laughs> mind, like the visuals were so um, yes. like awe-inspiring. And the other thing that really sticks in my mind from that game is there was a moment where, you know, my I think my brother might have been playing at the time. But, you know, you shoot somebody and usually it's like tranquilizer darts and things and they like like most, you know, avatars, they're like fall forward, even if they're mm -hmm. like on something. But there was one moment where the guy actually fell backwards over the railing on the boat that you're on. Yes. And he screamed on the way down. And I remember being so mind blown by <laughs> like how immersive and well thought out and like impressed. I'm like, oh, the way they even, you know, I didn't really have the language for it, I think at the time, but just the way they were able to animate that code in the response like really think that through and have that happen and it never happened like before and i don't think it ever happened again because again they usually just kind of fall forward just because yeah of the design but that sticks in my mind really heavily yeah that's i i, I want to say too especially like it's so relatable your feeling of like it looks like a movie because I, I remember uttering the like that exact phrase when I first saw the opening cinematic of uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee at my friend's house, like the day after Christmas, just I was I couldn't believe it. And so I think especially I don't know how you feel, but looking at like the PS2, Xbox and GameCube, that generation being the second shot really at mm -hmm. like. 3d world sort of i feel like they it took such a leap that i remember being so impressed as a kid by what was going on as much as like there's still as we as we know like it would continue to improve significantly yeah. yeah i mean i think a lot of people talk about the lack of distinct jumps that we now feel because we've advanced um the technology so far mm -hmm. that now it's a lot more iterative than it used to be but you know i think it's going to come with time and that's just kind of the natural progression but it was really fun to be able to have those experiences like, you know, 
consoles coming out and now you're in like an additional dimension you know it's like that's not gonna happen really anymore and even now with the way we try to technologically innovate it becomes like innovation within a niche right things like vr are really cool but they're a really specific type of experience they kind of have their own i think growing pains to go through in terms of being able to create innovative experiences that you know at more consistently, I think, or sure. a more diverse uh, breadth of kinds of experiences, you know, and easier or you like there's a bunch of, uh, I think, space for that to be innovated as well. But we, that's why we don't really get that same kind of jumper feeling. But the GameCube PS2 era was definitely one of my favorites. Um, probably my favorite. I think it's because I was at that age where I was older, so I could maybe understand a little bit more. But I was young enough to still like be a kid. And I, I think for my brother, that was kind of part of his last hurrah as a child too, because he started working really young. Like I think he got a job when he was like 19, like full-time job, mm. something like that. Like right out of high school, he was like, I, okay, I'm not going to college. I'm going to, I'm going to work now. And he tells a story about being like, all right, this is my, it was like the weekend before he started his job. And he's like, I know that after this, it's never going to be the same again. <laughs> and I'm going to just play my GameCube like all weekend. And he still games now, you know? And I think, We've all been able to kind of, if we're still gaming as an adult, make time for it. But Mm -hmm. it isn't the same. And there are a lot of transitions you go through in life that are different. And it is rare to also have the perspective to be able to pause for a second and know, like, this is a moment in time and kind of time stamp it for yourself. Uh, He's, you know, very mature for his age. He kind of had to grow up really fast, unfortunately, due to a bunch of things. But Mm -hmm. yeah, like him having that moment, like we kind of both had some of that energy. Obviously, I was a kid for longer because six years younger. But, you know, like... That was a moment in time where, like, we don't game like that anymore. We still game together, but it's the the memories we have during that time were so core. I think also since I was older, like, he could kind of have a more developed relationship with me in the sense that it's, you know, we still played together when it was like he's 12 and I'm six. But I'm sure that was mostly for my, you know, enjoyment and fun, because how much can you relate to a six year old when you're 12? Like, it's yeah. pretty tough. Um, So I think we were at a good age where, like, we were old enough to hang out and be able to have like more conversations that are kind of in a, in the same kind of sphere at least. Cause I was like kind of middle school, whatever elementary school. And he was like the end of high school. And um, yeah, we played a bunch of games together. We played, I remember uh, for vivid memories, we had a day where we got a white castle crave case, which for those who don't know, it's the little case castle thing of 30 little white castle hamburgers. This must and, have been like the Midwest. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> so this is like, yeah, you, you get a crate. So it's like you have the the Midwest, but also like the big cityness, which is yeah. kind of a fun, funky combo. Um, we got a White Castle Crave case and we played um, Madden. It was probably we had Madden 03. It was probably between 02 and 04. I think it was Madden 03. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the game that I learned to play because my brother liked playing Madden. And I really mm. didn't care about football and I still don't care about football. And I did not want to play Madden and I was bad at Madden. But he's like, you know, I need someone to play Madden with and you're who's here. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of our cultural exchange because, and while he he liked Smash Melee and Mario Party 4 just fine. Like, you know, he loves Melee. It's like one of his favorite games. But I was annoying about it. I would ask him literally every single day, will you play one of those two games with me or both? And these were long sessions. We would do consistently 
64 man melee just the two of us <laughs> by ourselves we tried doing that as an adult like oh let's do this again we were like let's just set to 32 it took like four hours and granted you yes. know maybe we had more even skills at the time now These are the tournaments adults. right yes like yeah. where you go up the brackets uh-huh. and we were playing i was exhausted i'm like i don't know how i did this as a kid and i did and maybe it's because i was worse so he like may beat me more easily so maybe it went faster at the time mm-hmm. but um i don't have the endurance for that anymore i don't think outside of maybe maybe i'll do a charity stream where i'm just 12 hours deep in smash Bros. melee but <laughs> Um, yeah, I think just having those all day gaming sessions, it was also, this is going to sound like a very like date myself story, but it's also the era of still having rentals. Like, you know, we rented mm-hmm. like Dragon Ball Z Budokai and played that all one weekend. <laughs> and I like really loved that, even though it's like the only time I ever played that game. So those are kind of some of the highlights That's from cool. that generation. And when I think about gaming as a kid, those are kind of the stories that come to mind for me. There's probably like, you know, a dozen or two that stick heavily of, Oh, the dogs in Resident Evil 4 on the game. You know, like little things here and there that stand mm-hmm. out. And, and that's definitely a, a collection of those. And I can like still picture, you know, we don't live in the house anymore. But like that bedroom, the setup, like we had our, T- our CRTs like on what's kind of the equivalent of the Ica- Ikea Calyx 4x4, like in terms yeah. of height, maybe a little shorter. And we had our TV on that. So you really had to like, you, you were standing up. You were like craning <laughs> your neck. Like it was not a comfortable or fun or good set up but like we do that like one person would be staying in front one person would be maybe on the bed just like watching from like a weird angle um and yeah that was that was the setup and the vibe at the time you know wow that's great that was like such a a, like a rich time for me as well I think you know you and I I don't think we're too far apart in age it was Mm -hmm. so rich and like uh probably like the golden era as much as I I play a lot of games now I can like relate to that nostalgia so significantly um uh, so I'd like to ask you now, um, being someone who has played games for ever, 25 years, have you ever had like uh, what I like to call a dark period or a time where you have not gamed very much or taken like a big break? Yeah, I had my dark zone around, I would say maybe like sophomore year of high school into mm-hmm. like freshman year of college, maybe even a little earlier than that. It might have just been a high school thing. I don't mm. fully remember. And I did still like play some games here and there. And I did like games still. It was kind of a honestly what kind of did it for me was, yeah, it was kind of high school because when that's when the week the week came out in 2008, I think maybe seven, seven or I eight. think 2006. Yeah. Oh, OK. So, well, I was also always behind on console gen. So, yeah, I felt the weight of the Wii, right? Like <laughs> exiting elementary school, entering high school. And I really hated the Wii. <laughs> like I, I saw that thing and I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world. And frankly, I still don't really like it. Like I know there's great games on it. Like people always talk about the Mario Galaxy games. Like what a rich library. But frankly, a lot of what that console was selling and a lot of what people most remember that console for, things like Wii Sports, just weren't really that appealing to me. Um, and hmm. not even like in a, oh, like, why well, want real co- it just it just seemed silly i'm like why is the controller like cut in half and i got like yeah. a stick and then a remote like i'm like i don't like that at all that's yeah. not for me and i kind of looked towards like the playstation era of things and even the xbox era of things and i did feel like that was kind of the era where at least in my perception maybe not necessarily true sort of shooters and like online gaming and like these other things started to gain popularity and i'm like i'm not interested in doing competitive shooter stuff I just want to, you know, I don't know. Like, I felt like maybe games aren't really as for me as they used to be. 
Um, especially because as time's gone on, like the mascot platformer and those kind of games have sort of fallen out of popularity. They still exist. And, you know, Mario's going to be Mario forever. But I was like, maybe now is like, it was kind of the perfect storm where some of my favorites were sort of pivoting in some ways. Um, not to mention probably, you know, just getting older, having more things to do. Like yeah. I had to, in high school too, I had to like commute. Like I grew up in Chicago and I went to school on the North side, like downtown-ish and I lived on the South side. So like, hmm. you know, I was commuting like, a total of an hour time, like to and from school. Like I was working really hard on my like education stuff and doing all these things. So I think it was sort of the perfect storm of enough kind of fell to the wayside that it's like, all right, I'm not really playing games as much. And what kind of brought me back in a bigger way was, um, watch, this is like such a basic story, but I watched Indie Game <laughs> the movie and I was like, oh <laughs> nice. my God, these games are so cool. Like, this is cool. I want to play Super Meat Boy. I want to play, you know, even though I didn't like Braid, but like I tried Braid, I downloaded yes, Braid, right? Yeah. And I was like playing, you know, those games. And at the time I still like my most modern console was a PS3. Um, mm-hmm. This was 2012 around when I went to college, 2012, 2013. Um, so you know, I still had that and like, you know, I'd still had like a glorified DVD player for me and I had my, yeah. my old titles, but I had my Mac laptop for college and I would game on that um, just with like the keyboard on that. And I played Zero Meat Boy with that keyboard. Wow. And I loved that game because I couldn't get the Bluetooth to sync properly for the controllers ever <laughs> on that thing. So, um, yeah, and that's kind of one of the things that brought me back. Um and then I think more and more, probably as I met friends that gamed and kind of just slowly the resurgence existed and all through college I still only had like the PS3 but that's when I bought um in that college era those four years the new 3DS XL came out and I'm like this is a perfect time for me to get this because I never had a um 3DS I only had the DS so you know I got that and and played a bunch of games there and um yeah just kind of grew to fall back into it you know I had um I was lucky enough to get to do sweet style dorming um in college for a lot of the years and I had a really great friend group who was very nerdy and very much like in my sensibility zone liked games we did this big like video game tournament thing oh, where we wow. played like Mario Kart funny enough the Wii version so I was really bad at it because I'm like I've never <laughs> played this really you know um I bought Blur like in that era because I'm like I want like a basic racing game to like play with my sweet mates and like I bought like an old Soul Calibur game for the PS3 Hmm. and like I did all this stuff so then and that's also when I got back into um what also brought me back was writing so like indie Hmm. games was a light resurgence where I'm like oh there's like all these games I can get these humble bundles really cheap and da 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 but then I thought you know I, I love writing what if I wrote about video games so I just searched like video game writer job and I found like some little mobile game website that I think paid nothing, but like sometimes you'd get like a review code for a game huh. and I was doing that and I didn't really play mobile games like that, but I'm like, sure, you know, I just want to write and I think it'd be fun to write about games. I got into that and then sort of the floodgates opened on, I just did more and more content, you know, did a show with my um, friend Jess, like called Bit by Bit, that's still up there somewhere on YouTube. And I just got more and more into it. And then eventually it blossomed into like, this is actually the career I want to do. And then eventually I transitioned into actually pursuing that career. But that's kind of what brought me back, a combination of indie games and also just how much I love writing and the thought of maybe I can write my way back into my video game hobby, uh, which I did. So I have one now behind me. Wow, that's so cool. You know, I've got to hear you on different shows talk about pieces of your journey, but I don't know if I if you've shared that I didn't retain it on on Mm -hmm. a past show so that's I'm really glad that 
that question led us th- into your resurgence as well from the yeah. dark period and and that um that's so cool uh well, the I got only I've got about two more questions I want to ask you about your history with gaming before we take a break. Uh, the first is, um, has there been a game in the last uh, couple years that has uh, that you've or, or, or that you've been playing? Um, yeah, in the last couple of years, that's maybe surprised you that you didn't expect to enjoy that that you did end up liking. I'm trying to think of what's like the most surprising one. Sure. Especially, especially a couple of years. Because um, I think a lot of stuff has like history bits that make it not surprising. Like I got into FIFA like in 2016 or something. But that, like, sure. you know, I like, I've played sports games before and I liked soccer. So it's like that kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess things that stand out. Well, I don't know how much I liked it, like how much I'd pursue like additional games. Um, I did actually have a surprising amount of fun playing Demon Souls. Oh, um, yeah. Granted, it was like very much like chat plays Demon Souls with me. <laughs> um, and I did have people, you know, zoop into my game and carry me where I'm like, y'all go up front. I'm going to stand back here and not die because if I die, like you guys go away. So like just y'all clear it out. And when yes. it's ready for me to walk through slowly with my shield out, I'll do so. Um, but that did have I did actually have a good amount of fun with that. And I liked how closed off it actually was because it made it like the task simpler i'm like okay run through this hallway 80 times to gain strength <laughs> yes. so it's like, okay this makes some sense you know i think it was fun being introduced to all the goofy tropes too of that style of games yeah. and that sort of subgenre. like at one point like i was having a really hard time and people in chat were like if you go to this like whatever level you can run really fast through everybody and pick up this weapon that's going to, like, really carry you. They're like, but to get there, it's like just, you know, you take off all your armor and you just cartwheel your way over. And <laughs> it's it's really fun to sort of, I, I guess, gain that appreciation and gain that perspective and kind of see that out. Um, I think my most recent surprise, even though I, don't, I think it might be too soon to, like, guarantee that I like this game, is I just started Kingdom Hearts. And I'm enjoying oh, Kingdom Hearts. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, am I becoming a Kingdom Hearts fan? Like, I don't know if I like that about me, but, like, why not? <laughs> why not? You know? It's a whimsical time with a group of friends, too many enemy spawns, and a lot of other issues. But you yes. know what? We're, I'm, like, I'm playing that later today, actually. It's, it'll be my third time picking it up. And, yeah, like, I'm kind of enjoying that, and I sort of expected not to because yeah. everyone was, like... Also, too, I kind of have a, a light reputation for being... Um, I guess critical of game. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm a game critic, so I kind of, <laughs> it seems like it would make sense, but yeah. um, I think I'm so blunt and generally harsh that people sort of, it sticks in their mind that like, I'll tear something up if I don't like it. Um, and I, I think a lot of people went in expecting me not to like it or to, to really hate it. And I'm, I don't know. I think it's a normal adventure. I'm yeah. wondering what's going to happen next later. You know, sure. might be too soon to call it, but um, so far I'm enjoying that. And I guess those are like sort of the standouts with a light shout out too to Diablo four. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Cause I didn't honestly. And I was like, what is this game? Like, it's, it's an RPG. And I'm like, yeah, but like, it's kind of like the views, like top down. I measure. like, what's going on here? Yeah. And when I play it and I know this is going <laughs> to offend people that are actually into Diablo, but like I play it and it's like the cutscenes are really beautiful, but then it looked after that. It's like, Oh, this game looks a million years old, but, <laughs> <laughs> but playing it, like it's so fun. And I don't, I can barely even perceive why because, and obviously there's a lot of cool systems happening under the hood with the skill tree and everything, 
But really, it's like I'm walking around and I'm just wailing on people. Yeah. And it's not really, you know, I did die once finally. So it's like it does have pushback. But even the pushback's like, oh, there's a lot of stuff happening on screen. Like it feels so, so basic, but so interesting. Like it easily could have been boring. Like yeah. but somehow it's like one of the best things. And I, that really surprised me because I sort of went into it like, well, this is a game just looking at it and seeing like, you know, the marketing around it, knowing who likes Diablo. I'm like, it seems like the kind of game that I'll play and I like won't like like it. And other sure. people will be like, you just don't like, you don't see how, what I see, which is fair. You know, that can happen with a lot of genres, but that's kind of what I expected with Diablo where I was going to think it was okay, but I actually really, really enjoy it. I'm running through uh, huh. the campaign now with my partner and it's just so much fun. You know, I'm a, I'm a necromancer. I'm resurrecting skeletons. We're yeah. hanging out. You know, I'll drop some boots on the ground and I'll pick up a cloak and I'm unlocking the stuff. Like, it is just such an enjoyable, simple loop. And I don't think yeah. I expected to like it as much as I did. That's cool. That's so, I mean, hearing you and other people talk about it, it's been one of those games where I, because I didn't get it, I've played a little bit of three, but sure. the more I hear people talk about it, the more I'm like, hmm, I think I might like that game. I don't know if you ever hear people talk about games and you're like, maybe I'll give that a shot. Yeah, I mean, I try to try almost everything. There's a few sure. games I'll kind of veto because I do a stream every Friday on my channel where it's um, I call it best of, you know, blank watch. So this year it's 2023 watch um, you know, the taglines where we play the latest games and search the greatest games of the year. And I'll play anything that comes out that week that's somewhat notable. That's new release. Like it can't just be like a port or whatever. Um, and I'll just look at the calendar and I'll pick up whatever. Um, sometimes I'll try to like include games that might not make those lists, like smaller yeah. indie titles that might not make it. But that's kind of just a matter of if I can figure out the information. You know, the only things I don't check out are people wanted me to play like Street Fighter. And I'm like, I just I really don't think I'm gonna have anything interesting to say. Like, I just don't think I understand yeah. or appreciate the systems on that level. So I'll have a couple ones where like, you know, if, if NHL comes out, like I don't feel like pursuing that at the time. But other than that, like I'll try to play a little bit of everything just to get like a taste test of it and see yes. what's up. And, and yeah, like sometimes you'll be surprised by that. I think it's also just fun to pick up a game and, you know, quickly form an opinion on it and see what it's like. And uh, I also joke on my channel, I play games so you don't have to, because I think we all know as gamers, like the true, the pinnacle of gaming is not playing a game, but like thinking about it, you know? Yeah. No, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll do that. It's like, yeah, you can do that here. I'll do it. You can save your time, save your money, or maybe you just haven't gotten around to it, you know? And it's like, I'll yes. do that work. <laughs> like, you don't, don't worry about it. I legitimately had that experience on your channel when Hitman 3 came out yeah. because I kept hearing people who loved it, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to play it. And I think I watched it for like two hours and was like, I think I got my, my Hitman 3 fix here. Yeah, and Hitman 3 was awesome. And, and I went into it like, having barely touched Hitman 2 and remembering, man, I'm not smart enough to play Hitman because I just couldn't, hand, like, do the objectives. And, I, you know, 3 has added a lot of things to sort of handhold you if you want additional supports. And also, I think it's just, you know, a more refined game holistically. But that's another yes. one where it's, like, it's been so fun to, like, check out. And, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable, I think, going out of my... I get a lot of joy going out of my wheelhouse because my base wheelhouse was so specific you know mm. it's like okay platformers and it's like adventure <laughs> you know and I, I've played a lot of games since then I continued to do that but it's you never know what you're going to find out there and I I'm a firm believer that in every single genre there's a game that anyone can like like you can find something like I I think I could find an MMO I like 
I don't really feel like pursuing that right now. Mm. And I have yet to do that, but like, I'm sure it's out there, you know, and, and I could find that out there if I, if I seek it enough and you can, I think, learn so much. Like, I feel like a lot of my stuff too, because I'm in this industry and that's what I, what I like about it. Like I enjoy gaming in this way and I know not everyone would. And I get that. That's why some people, you know, it's a hobby and some people it's a job and some people it's a combo or whatever. Um, I definitely feel like content creation and criticism is its own job slash hobby and gaming is its own. And I think they combine really cool Mm -hmm. if it works for you, but it kind of has to work for you. And for me, like what I love more than playing games is the things I get to do because I played the game. Yeah. Talk about it, like show people it, like pick it apart. Like I like love doing that more than I love gaming and I love gaming a lot. So that's just kind of my vibe for it. So when it comes to like playing whatever, it's, oh, what if you'll like it? I'm like, who cares? Like, I don't know, yeah. keep going. Like, like it's, to me, it's the fun of like, I get to talk about this thing and interact with the thing. It's not necessarily about like, am I enjoying the game itself? Because I enjoy the process of dissecting it. And that's yeah. what I get to do if I've played it or if I've touched it. That's so cool. Uh, and, you know, I think it, you know, I'm just guessing here, but it seems like that could be very, uh, not helpful, but a nice, uh, thing and just a nice thing to know as you are in this, in, in that industry, like there's going to be so many ways for you to get something out of, you know, playing a game, whether it's just the enjoyment or all the things you named. Um, uh, lastly, before we had to break, I did want to give you a chance, uh, it, to shout out, a game uh, or anything that you would be so bummed to not mention from your history with video games, whether it's like a title or a, or an experience. Um, but uh, and you also don't have to have one. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, that's a fun idea. Like I, I guess the games. If I had to, this is like a loaded like comment, but if I had to like <laughs> sum up the games that made me or whatever. Yeah. But you know, Super Mario sixty four. Mm. Um, still holds up. I get the cameras weird, but go with it. You will play one of the best games ever. Like it's so, so ahead of its time and so cool. So many fun memories of dabbling in that. I think it's like one of the best combinations of form and freedom within yeah. a platformer. And I wish Sunshine got that with how it makes you get all the, the sprites and all of that, all that. But anyway, but, um, and the ones in the village don't count, but so obviously I have a, you know, a history with Sunshine as well, which is a very fun game. I can hear it a little bit in the way you're talking about it, for I know. sure. <laughs> to love Sunshine is to also know that, like, it's got problems. You know yes, what I mean? Like, for sure. Um, but I also, I love a, I love a cool, flawed thing. Like, I love yeah. great games like Yoshi's Island. Like, that game just slaps and that's it. But I also, like, had an era where I'm like, Jack 2 is my favorite game of all time. Then I replayed it and I'm like, absolutely not. I cannot do this anymore. I do not have it in me. Uh, yes. Jack 1 is new favorite game. But the Jack and Dexter series... Uh, is an all-time favorite for me. Uh, those who follow my content know this. Uh, they also know that I love um, Horizon for the more modern era. Um, again, a lot of critiques that can be lobbied against that game, and I do whenever we talk about it, but I just love the world and, and fighting the machines. Um, other titles. I really love Miss Pac-Man. I feel like that doesn't come up a lot mm. because it's a million years old but i have the one-up arcade miss pac-man machine oh cool yes i do regret buying because it is too big for my apartment (laughs) um and when i had to you know we just moved and i'm lucky enough to get my own like office space we it's me and my partner we have a two-bedroom uh and he's like you know we could do like bedroom office like shared office which i was fine doing because it's like we both share the space like yeah work from home as well but he's like i'll be honest like you kind of need it more and i'm like i mean i wasn't gonna say anything but like, i kind of do you know like just with the nature of my job like i'm on twist my arm a bit content yeah i'm like okay <clears throat> um 
But also, it's a great... I mean, he loves games, too, but it's a great space where he's like, why don't you take all of your <laughs> garbage <laughs> and just put it in this little room? Um, and that's where the Miss Pac-Man machine is now, so uh, that's that's one of my favorites ever. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of a lot of the hits. Cool. And I'm I sure, like, I mean, I'll have people on where we could do two, three hours just talking about oh, someone's yeah. history, and... Uh, I could just ask question uh, after question, but um, thank you for sharing about your general history. You know, a lot of some of which I had heard before, but a lot of which I hadn't. So it's so fun to just, you know, color that a bit. Um, yeah, for sure. uh, and lastly, I just wanted to say that uh, Ms. Pac-Man, uh, when I was growing up, there was like a frozen yogurt shop like a few blocks away. Nice. And they had one of those like uh, tables, but one that like you played looking yep. down into it. And I just remember like, my parents would get in line for yogurt and I would hopefully have a quarter and play Ms. Pac-Man. Uh, such like a visceral, like not quite a core memory, but one of those experiences I won't forget. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing about, you know, yourself and also your general history with games. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about all things Super Mario Land 2. So I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Of course, uh, it's me, Connor McCabe, here to talk about Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins with Janet Garcia. Janet, welcome back. Good to be back. Uh, Like I told you before we got into the show, uh, we're going to do a little table setting for what this game is, even if people are familiar with it, um, before we dive into your personal history. Um, And also, like I said, feel free to jump in at any time if you're like, hey, Connor, we got to include this about this game before we talk about my story. So uh, by all means. Um, Well, without further ado, Super Mario Land 2. Six Golden Coins is a 1992 platform video game developed and published by Nintendo for the Game Boy, and uh, that was Nintendo Research and Development 1, that team who did this game. Uh, It is the sequel to Super Mario Land, uh, which you could have guessed, a Game Boy launch title, and in the sequel here, Super Mario Land 2, the player assumes the role of, you guessed it, Mario, whose main objective is to reclaim his personal island, Mario Land, uh, from the clutches of his greedy rival, Wario, Uh, which, so this is, I mean, it's a direct sequel, but it also, like, tells us that in the first game, while he was off in Sarasa Land, that Wario's like, well, I'm gonna go ahead and just take over Mario Land, Um, and, and it expands on the gameplay and a lot that was in the first game. Uh, Super Mario Land 2 received critical acclaim upon its release and sold over 10 million copies, becoming one of the most successful and highest-rated titles on the Game Boy. Um, Reviewers emphasized at the time that the game surpassed its predecessor in all aspects. Uh, It marks the debut, of course, of Wario. It's one of the the things I think of when it comes to this game. But as a kid, I don't know about you, I didn't know this was his debut. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just the guy in the second game and the guy who I play in the third game. Yeah, I was like, this is just an M upside down. <laughs> that, was one of my, that was one of my thoughts. Um, yes. It made the castle take over really easy. Um, yeah, other things I want to shout out real quick. Um, I don't know if you touched on a release date, November 1st, 1992 for US. Oh, nice. Uh, 
Japan is October 21st, 1992. And no, I don't remember all these dates off the top of my head. I have the Super Mario Bros. Encyclopedia mm. uh, in my hands uh, from Dark Horse Publishers. And funny story about this encyclopedia is I one like I knew about this encyclopedia for ages. Like it's been out for a couple of years now. And one day out of the blue, I'm like, you know what I'm in the mood for? Buying that encyclopedia. And I went all over it. Like I'm also from L.A. right now. Um, like I'm in LA and I was, I went to my local game store or like a local game store and they didn't yeah. have it. And then I looked up like Barnes and Noble and I went to like, I think the one in the Glendale Galleria and I was like, Hey, like I'm looking for this book. And they're like, I think it's our last one anyway. And, and only, only to bring it home and then not really read it at all for like three <laughs> weeks. But now it's, it's time to shine for Finally. this episode specifically. The only thing I want to add before getting into the nitty gritty is the story as written in the instruction booklet. Oh, please. This is back when all the lore was all in the instruction booklet. <laughs> and that's it. So it says, danger, danger. Well, I oh, so it's written from Mario's perspective, apparently. <laughs> danger, danger. Well, I was, wait, last introduction. What, who is he writing to? I guess the player? Like, it's very, let's don't think about too much. Yeah. <laughs> but it says, danger, danger. Well, I was away crusading against the mystery alien to Tanga in Samasaland. Yes. An evil creep took over my castle <laughs> and put the people of Mario Land under his control with a magic spell. The intruder goes by the name of Wario. He has been jealous of my popularity ever since we were boys and has tried to steal my castle many times. It seems he has succeeded this time. <laughs> Wario has scattered the six golden coins from my castle all over Mario Land. These golden coins are guarded by those under Wario's spell. Without those coins, we can't get into the castle to deal with Wario. <laughs> it's, we must collect the six golden coins, attack Wario in the castle, and save everybody. It is really hard to read that without laughing, but oh that is the God. story of the game. And that's exactly what you do in the game. Yes, yeah. I, I, I had a couple takeaways from that, is that A, it almost feels like he's writing in a diary that, like, as if, like, someone might unearth it someday and be like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah. um, and B... It hints that, like, or it says that they knew each other since they were boys, according, yeah. you know, to the lore of this game, which I'm sure Nintendo's like, well, no. But, gosh, that's so interesting. Uh, was there a baby Wario? I don't, because, okay, so they, <laughs> there was a series of, like, baby characters that were a yeah. part of, like, the Dr. Mario mobile game, I think. But I don't know if baby Wario, I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah, slash, like, we know there's baby Mario in, yes. uh, you can argue, you, gotta, you can argue Yoshi's Island is a mainline game because it was called Super Mario. But you know, we all know this is just because the, they wanted to sell it. Um, yes. But either way, we have Baby Mario there. We have Baby Luigi there. We know Baby Peach from many things, including uh, Yoshi's Island DS. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm seeing here that in Yoshi's Island DS, there is a Baby oh, Wario. Oh, he's there. Okay, so there is yes. a... So yeah, there, I mean, obviously everyone was conceptually a baby before they were an adult. Yes. Mario's no different. Um... <laughs> So yeah, anyway, that's what I had to add. Gosh, I thank you for reading from that. That is that was <laughs> it was so fun to hear. Uh and I yeah, Baby Warrior I'm also seeing just cuz we're on the subject is was in Dr. Mario World. Okay. Um but goodness, that's that's hilarious. Um anyway, um yeah, that's pretty much, you know, that's most of the context I wanted to share uh this game has uh was re-released on uh you know on the Nintendo 3DS as a downloadable title. It's currently on the Nintendo Switch Game Boy library. Yeah. Um I haven't gone to play it there because I do have a 
like a Game Boy copy that still works. Um, so I've I've played that within the last few years. But um, any is there any other context that you want to share about this game before we hit your history with it? Um, I don't think so. I feel like we'll dabble in. Uh, I guess one thing that I learned before um, sitting down to record this, because I was reading through like what they wrote in the encyclopedia about it. Mm. And I'm like, oh, it's like Mario against Wario, and like you defeat the boss. I'm like, okay, cool, I know that stuff. Um, and then there was I didn't realize this. Did you ever play the easy mode in this game? That there is an easy mode in this game. I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is how they write it in the thing, and then I I looked into it. Then I turned off. I also have a copy of the game, and I have a uh, modded GBA from. Oh man, it, I God of Gaming is the name of the company. I really mm. like them. I've gotten a couple of different things from them as gifting to other people, and then I also wrote this on my own list. Like, hey, I want a modded GBA. It's like yeah. my favorite handheld ever. Um, so anyway, that's how I play my stuff now if I do, ever do. But it says new features. The character sprites are larger than those in Super Mario Land, and the setting feels a lot closer to Super Mario World. Other features include a world map and the ability to save. This game has evolved for a new age. On the other hand, you don't have a one-up just for collecting 100 coins. Still, it's equipped with an easy mode and has many other unique features. Which also, I'm a little confused on the coin thing, because I'm like, you do get an extra life for the coin. But and, and whatever, right? Passing yeah. by that. The easy mode. It's So what you do is, when you're on the, the file, select, file select screen, you can hit the select button, and it changes it to easy mode. And the Mario changes from, like, big to small. Hmm. And I did a quick Google, and it says it makes it so that, like, some of the bosses can be, like, killed in one hit and other things like that. Oh, gotcha. Um, but that's so interesting because I always, yeah, I just never really thought of them having that in there. And I yeah. didn't know that was in there. I never knew that was in there. I never even accidentally pressed it. So I don't know. That just really surprised me. And it, I thought it was kind of interesting, too, because getting into my history with the game, uh, this game was hard. <laughs> yeah. I Gosh, I also had no idea. But... Yeah, let's get right into it. Do you remember, um, you know, like uh, getting this game as a kid or was it also just there at some point? Um, Vaguely, like I can't remember exactly how it came to be. I do know all the games I got were games that I specifically asked for mm. in some capacity because all my game, like my consoles mainly came from my grandma, like she hooked us up with the consoles. Um, the games like my parents were fine doing that for like, you know, birthday, Christmas, Maybe, you know, I had a pretty good grades, so maybe a report card pickup. Sure, yes. Present or whatever. Um, you know, you don't, I, I need to start getting myself presents for like when I do something good, like a job yeah. well done, you know? I miss that time. Krispy Kremes used to give you a donut for every A you got. I don't know if they still do, but. Oh, wow. Um, anyway, but all that aside, <laughs> I'm sure I just like had this requested at some point because otherwise, like, you know, my parents and my family who had like the buying power, they didn't know anything about games and like mm -hmm. you know they weren't like looking at our collection like what did you miss it like they just didn't yes. care about any of that or looking at any of that so i'm sure i did ask for it i'm guessing you know all my i got all my news through the magazines at the time um, oh yeah and like sometimes browsing the stores so i think you know again my brother maybe has a firmer memory of oh i know what because he was older you know what was going on but um you know again this is a game boy game and i got a game boy pocket um some years into the cycle right like i don't know when i got this any of these things my brother had the old school game boy wow like the chonky boy mm -hmm. um and i actually feel like i don't know if he owned it before me and then i just got the pocket separately for christmas or if we each got a gift and for some reason he got the worst version <laughs> i don't remember 
how that went down. But I do remember being like, oh, man, glad I don't have that uggo Game Boy. Oh, um, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I had the pocket. I had a blue one. Um, like, I think I only had a couple colors, oh, cool. but that was the one that I had. Um, and that's where I had uh, played this originally as a kid. And it was a tough game. I did beat it as a kid. But what's hard about this game, for those who aren't familiar, is that as the as Mario writes in his letter diary, he has to get the six golden coins. Once you get like through the, you know, going through the world, you beat the boss, you get awarded a coin. But the kicker is if you get a game over, all the coins go back to their bosses and then you have to go fight the bosses again. Mm. So obviously, like anyone else, you know, it's like this is actually the, my history with Souls is this game. because That is a very <laughs> Souls construction is what do you do? when you're not good enough is you just cheat so or you cheese it so i would just rack up a lot of lives and i'd be like now we're going to wario's castle and if things went south in wario's castle i'd be back on the coin grind the lives grind and i'd come back and that's how i beat it as a kid and funnily enough i played this um on a game boy color like a non-modded game boy color a few years ago and by a few i mean probably like four to eight at this sure. point i was you know i don't know fresh out of college or something um I did the same thing. And also, Wario, still hard to beat. Yes. The way he moves, it's like, I don't know how they coded it, but I feel like it doesn't actually have, like, that consistent of a movement. And mm-hmm. like any other Mario game, especially, like, these, um, I guess specifically, like, the old school um, handheld ones, like, Mario's not, like, buffed up, you know? Like, he doesn't no. have, like, a his life, but it's just, like, two hits or something, right? And they did have the easy mode, apparently, that I never knew about because they hit it inside yeah. the game. Um, but that's kind of my history of it, my memories of it. And I, the thing that really stands out about this game and why I brought it to the table is it's one of my favorite Mario games ever because it is one of the weirdest Mario games yeah. to date. It is so bizarre. I mean, I don't even know where to begin on how bonkers this thing is, but you know, how does this hit for you? Like, is that kind of what stands out in your memory of this title? Like you mentioned you played it as a kid as well. Yeah. I think what stands out to me first was I, I originally had played super Mario land one at a cousin's house. Had you played that one before this? If you, do you if you remember, remember it all. Yeah. yeah I just went straight into this. Yeah. Like, it's one of my early like Mario handhelds, which pretty great entry point, honestly. Um, so I think because I had played that, seeing this game, I was like, wow, it actually looks like Mario now. And it feels more like Mario does, even though in this game he's like a little floaty from what mm-hmm. I remember. But that doesn't really matter too much. I just remember being so fascinated by the different worlds because they were, you know, they, it was just all on Mario Land, but they were so weird. There was like space world there was like the not halloween world but there was like a great creepy yeah. world or something halloween town is how I <laughs> yeah so um, I, it was like, called the pumpkin zone pumpkin zone yeah. yes um and i just remember being really charmed by not only like the levels themselves uh but also just like the the big sprites whether it be in the overworld of like being on the little map or in the like in the levels like there's like a it might be in the pumpkin zone where there's like a little walking jason mask like yeah, from the, the horror movies pool. but i thought mask. it was jason as well like i don't I, yeah like i'm like these are little jason heads yes inside. yeah um 
I also remember what stuck out to me was I was I grew up on the NES. I I never like I was telling you earlier didn't have a Super Nintendo until three and a half years ago. Um, so the early Mario games were my introduction, and I just remember being like, "Wait, these aren't the same power ups." The, mm. at, at least some one of them at least uh, that Mario had with like the little carrot and the yeah. ears that you float with. So yeah, that all really stuck out to me. Um, and I think the last thing would be just like when you would get a coin from a boss and it would it would cut to mar- like the front of the castle and the coin sort of falls into place. The sound that it would make uh, was very distinct yeah. at the time. Just like one of those little memories. Yeah, it had a very like sparkly sound to it. And they kind of cut like everything else out of the OST and it was just kind of like this like empty air. And yes. then like sparkle sounds. Um, yeah, they did a lot with the hardware in terms of sound design, but also like the OST for this. Like I still remember some of the songs and I also remember um, in terms of audio design, the sound of you like entering or starting something like the da da da. And then also the bell that you hit at the end of the level. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where it's sort of like, it's like a light little chime that you like (laughs) casually walk (laughs) through everything. But yeah, the courses stand out to me really heavily. It is just like one of the, I feel like best and most fun Mario games in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Mario Zone is a standout, especially because it has, weirdly enough, what I have to assume is a a balls joke in it, in that like when you get (laughs) to the part that is his crotch, basically, it's a land full of these like bouncy balls and like cannonballs. And I'm like, is the joke like I'm in in Mario's balls? Like what is, and it's something that as a kid, I don't think I had any like, I didn't register anything about like, this is weird. But as an yes. adult, I'm like, yeah, is this like, I kind of want to, like, I don't know if they've ta- gone on record, but like, is this a balls joke you put in this Nintendo game? Like it has yeah. to be. I never put that together uh, at all until you just said that, but it's very possible. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's, that's so that's, peculiar. That's, that's a little scary, <laughs> but um, yeah, other favorites too for me. Um, and I'm looking through the book now to try to see if I can remember the zone, but there was, um, the gosh what would it be called is it it might be the turtle zone so what was Mm, interesting too about this is like some of the zones had a level of dynamics that you wouldn't necessarily expect so not only is there diversity world to world where it's like the tree zone you're in the trees the macro zone everything is like small you're like shrunken down um space zones you're in space right but like not only that but within each of the levels I thought those were also really playful. And the turtle zone is an interesting one because you're kind of going like deeper into the sea as you progress to Mm -hmm. some degree. Um, And uh, there's these cows there that are like sea cows. And they're called, uh, according to the encyclopedia, Mogio. (laughs) I also think it's funny that like in this era of time and kind of in Mario games generally because it's such a gameplay focused series where it's like the story, the lore, like... Who cares? Whatever. It can be a fun fact, but it's not needed and it's not the enticing thing to engage with. But I feel like we all had our own names for mm-hmm. like the world for even I mean, the words were labeled in the game, but like the world's looking back, the enemies for sure, because like there's nothing in the game that said this was a Mokyo. I've never read that word in my life. Um, these are like the cowfishes that had little horns and they'd like move around. Yeah. Um, I think this game, too, has like some of the most. Obviously, you know, in the modern era, Mario's still stomping Goombas, right? But, like, some of the most satisfying 
enemy smoosh sprites ever. Mm-hmm. Like the way you just like plop onto everybody. Yes. It's just so satisfying and and cute and strange. Yes. I think coupled with like the the sound effect of like the plop uh, yeah. noise when you do jump on a character that gets smooshed was it worked really well. Um I I think just as we've been talking about it, something else, but because I want to ask you a couple more questions about the game and your time with it. Um, but I just wanted to bring up was that it felt like a Super Mario Land one was was is really cool. It was a Game Boy launch title that that's known, but that this felt like a real full Mario game on the handheld was a felt like a big deal as a kid, at least. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, you know, my lovers were always fairly small. So I'm trying to think of what was kind of competing against it. I think the one nice thing or convenient thing too about sort of having a smaller library, there being just generally less games and also like getting to games a little bit later. Like usually I was a couple years after the fact of things announcing for the most part, there's some exceptions mm-hmm. or like, Oh, I hit the next holiday, you know? Um, but I kind of only got like the hits. Cause like yes. we only can get like 12 things. So it's like, okay, these are all going to be the best games of all yeah. time. So I'm not sure if I had anything that was actually too short. Like, I feel like I, oddly enough, had, like, really meaty games because I'm, like, yeah. I had this. I had, um, even though this game, I feel like you can beat it pretty quickly. Like, what's the I hell you could, beat on this? I bet you could do that in, like, an afternoon if you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, what is what is a not child, what is that, like, listed how long to beat? Like, I'm curious to know because it, it can be a pretty speedy game. Um, Definitely. If you know, like, how to play video games in RE7. Yeah. But at the time, this was just, you know, oodles and hours of fun. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think it was an interesting era of time because it was a time where games were constantly very on the record, publicly dinged for being too short or like yes. not full-fledged enough. Um, and while I think we still have some of those conversations today, and there can be a place for talking about game length in relation to whether or not this game is worth your time, for sure. Like it's the, the expectations in that era were really odd. Like I remember actually really recently I played Minish Cap for the first time and I was Mm. looking at the reviews for it and people were like, that's kind of short. And I'm like, this game took me like eight different let's play episodes. Um, and I didn't complete it all. So, um, yeah, it's definitely one that you can kind of zoom through. I have no idea how long it took me as a child. It's also the era where like a lot of my handheld gaming was, genuinely on the go which i don't really do as much anymore because yeah i feel like when you're an adult like the opportunities don't always come up as easily because mm-hmm. like especially like you know if i go out with other people well then i'm hanging out with the people that i'm hanging out with i mean sometimes oh we could bring our games somewhere and that could be fun but other than like i'm at the doctor's waiting room but even then it feels hard to like get into a game and feel yes. like it's kind of even worth investing the time but as a kid like I had like my Game Boy, I had one of those Game Boy carrying cases, cool. like little yeah. like pouches and I it had a slot for the Game Boy Pocket and a couple cartridges and it had like the soft mesh inside mm-hmm. and I carried that around all the time and I remember, you know, again, of that era, like when we'd go to my grandma's house and she, you know, was still working and she's like, her job was um like cleaning places, like cleaning salons, like was mm. one of her jobs. So she'd take us to the salon with her to work. She's like, okay, I'm going to clean for like a couple hours or whatever. And we'd be there, we'd sit in a little chair and I'd have my Game Boy Pocket. Oh yeah. And you know, I had like different you know, ch- accessories and, and things for, and you would just, you know, be there, or be on the bus and like, you know, be at, and not asleep and have like the light, you know, like there's so much opportunity for, I think like 
hanging out with a console casually uh, in a way that you don't like get as much as an adult as Definitely. easily. So I'm sure I probably that like six or eight hours was stretched out across like weeks at a time. And not yes. to mention with the, the additional like gameplay hour value of needing to fight Wario 80 times <laughs> to kill him. It's like, okay, well now I have like this end game grind thing that I'm working yes. on where I get to like, I'm like, let me make sure I have like a hundred lives before I go in there. And then when I'm down to like 30, I'm like, Cutting it close. This is dicey, yeah. Yeah. What is this, Metroid Dread? Like, gosh. Oh, my God. That game almost made me cry, and I was an adult when I played it because that game came out. (laughs) It was so hard at the end. That game could use an easy mode. Maybe if I hit select on the thing. Maybe it has one, and I just don't don't know. Hey, there's only one way to find out now. (laughs) I know. Um, Yeah, but that was uh, a lot of fun. Still is a lot of fun. When I saw this dropped on Switch, like, I visibly and audibly popped for it. And I'm not really, like, a big... Like I do reaction streams and I like love doing that, but I'm not like super excited that often. And people sure. are just, like, you don't seem excited enough. And I'm like, I I guess I wasn't. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what but to that tell you. one I, I really popped for because I love that game so much. I feel like it's one that a lot of people missed. And it's like one of my favorite ones. And seeing, you know, Mario Wonder, the trailer for that, oh, I'm boy. like, oh, this has Super Mario Six Golden Coins energy a bunch, especially too when you think of um I know this has been in other games, but like I was again looking at this encyclopedia. It's interesting the way they categorize the power ups in this game are kind of regular power ups like items, and they have built in power ups. And it's like that's what they couch as things that are contextually different about Mario given his location. So an example would oh, be yeah. Space Mario. Like he's in a spacesuit in space. And it's like, you know, obviously this is even weirder where it's like he becomes a hill, or I don't know what's happening in that Wonder trailer, <laughs> but I feel like that stuff's kind of playing with the idea of what is what does it mean to like have a power up or to morph or to sort of shape shift for less of yeah. a, lack of a less creepy term for Mario, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, you you started to even get into more of like the context of your life when you would have been playing this, talking about traveling around, playing it at home, but also traveling around with your grandma um, and playing this on the go. So I do want to just um, like dive into that as much as we can. And can you do a little scene painting for me and whether it's like a location at her house or uh, or the basically the place you remember most vividly playing? I'd love to hear about what that was like. Yeah, I think, um, and again, like I have no way of fully knowing Yes. If I was playing, if I was playing, this going to go into a different game, right? All um, good. If I had my PSP actually in the story, like don't be mad, but you know, like <laughs> I don't know. Um, definitely for the salon, I remember it was a really empty and open space, um, mm-hmm. and it was obviously like completely dead because it was closed. Like we were the yeah. only ones in there, and we were like sitting in the chairs that you wait in, um, and I was just kind of like looking out, and there was nothing else around me. Um, for her house, she lived in. I don't know if it was the basement unit or the first floor. I think I want to say it was the basement because I, I remember going downstairs from like entering on the street. So like that has to be the basement. Um, it was like basement area. My grandmother had a bunch of like, like knickknack trash stuff. Huh. Like she was really, you know, everyone has their collections and her thing was like elephants. Like she like, oh. felt like they brought good luck. So she had like always like ceramic elephants. She was also um, really, I don't know if you want to say she's really religious because I don't even know unless she, you know, practiced. But, yeah. you know, she was like she dabbled in in Catholicism and other mm-hmm. things. But um, she had a lot of Jesus stuff in her house. She had this one really scary portrait of 
Jesus, like post crucifixion, if you are a Catholic um, or maybe even a Christian, but you may be familiar with some of the more intense imagery that some of these, like, you know, (laughs) there's like a picture and then there's like, this guy's been through it. And I think I remember it being one of those like odd 3D like pictures where it's like he like is kind of coming out of the frame. That's too um, much. <laughs> yeah, like it was way too. Oh my god, try going to the bathroom at night, horrifying because you have to walk like you know the stairs come down. You're in the living room, then you enter like forward. You can see like the dining table mm-hmm. to the right is like the spare bedroom where you know me and my brother would stay, um, or like maybe one of us would stay and like yeah. maybe the person sleeps in my grandma's bed or something. But like. That, then there's that picture of Jesus, and then you got to walk, and there's the kitchen, and then you turn, and there's, like, the bathroom, and then next to that is, like, my grandma's room, and then next to that is, like, a door that leads to, like, not a crawl space, because you could walk in it, I think, but it it's kind of like a, you know, bottom back of the building thing. Yes. It's like, if you were on the run from somebody, you'd maybe run through this concrete steel water <laughs> boiler. Maybe there's a laundry room at the end. You get out, and you're in a yard. It's like that kind of, you know, you don't go in there, but it's, like, there. Um, but yeah, that bedroom was where I did a lot of gaming again, not hundred percent sure that this was included in that sure. of time, but you know, and that's also where I got a lot of my consoles. Like a lot of my consoles were born there because again, like really for the first couple, like my grandma was the only one that would buy us the console. Um, so like that's where I would open like up those consoles mm. and that's where I got my, um, Game Boy Pocket and I remember the game it came with because, again, no one knew games. They just knew, oh, Game Boy Pocket. And then we could go to the store and, you know, there's a note. It says Game Boy Pocket. Hand to the person. Like, it's fine. But as far as the games, that was just up to, like, either, I don't know if she said, give me the cheapest game there is, which, like, no shade if you did. Like, it was already, like, an expensive console. Yes. Or if the worker just said, how old is the kid? And then it went spiraled from there. And I was, again, I've been playing games already a bit when I got the Game Boy. So I could play games. I liked games. That's when I got, so with the consoles, like, what's the first game I get? I'm like, I gotta play something. They gave me a game with it. What game did I get? I got Smurfs, um, one of the Smurfs games, which I should actually brought <laughs> that game, because I feel like that game I have a vivid memory of. Yeah. Now, that is, is that a, a short game I owned. That, yeah, yeah, it's like, smor- I forgot the, the subtitle if it had one, but sure. Um, I looked up the Let's Play of it. I think it's only like a two-hour game, so that is mm-hmm. a short game I owned. I don't think I beat it. I remember, um, I guess if I remember back, I'll bring that game. We can fully dissect yeah. it. But like, I remember playing that and being like, this. that was the first time I played a game where I was like, oh, some games are not good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. And I was like, this game sucks, you know? And I was playing this stuff because I'm like, well, well, there's nothing else. You know, I'm not going to the game store today. So it's like, we're just playing Smurfs. And I remember one thing that stuck out to me about that game was I went to jump, you know, you play as the Smurfs, the titular Smurfs. And I went to jump on, like, one of the enemies, which is, like, an ant or something. And I got hurt. And I was confused. Because I played Mario. And yeah. when you jump on enemies as Mario, they die, and you keep on walking. So I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And then I realized, and maybe this isn't true because I haven't played the game as an adult. But I'm like, I guess you you can't attack things. You can just avoid getting hit. Sure. And I'm like, what? And again, I didn't have this kind of language because I was a kid. But I was like, what kind of... Uh... Also, can you swear on this podcast? Yeah, by all oh, means. Okay. I'm like, what kind of shitty design is this? Like... <laughs> All you can do is die. Like, yes. where is the fun in that? Like, I, you know, and I guess Donkey your critic Kong, brain was like forming there. Yeah, I was like, all you can do is die. Like, yes. the only good part of that game was I did get to a scene where you were like riding these logs across the water, uh-huh. and like that kind of hit. I was like, okay, okay cool. This water log ride, right, <laughs> is a little bit fun, but yeah, and you know, I remember sitting there. You know, she had like 
the old school sofas. I don't know if she was still in the phase of like, uh, you know, and I'm, I think it's like an old person thing, but also probably to a degree, like certain sectors of like the POC community. Like I'm uh, Mexican and Puerto Rican. My grandma was Puerto Rican and she would have like the plastic on the sofa. Sure. It's like stuck to your skin. Like, I don't know if she had that already there set up and ready to go. And then she had like a recliner where she'd sit and watch like telenovelas all day. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like she was like up and about. And that's the thing too. Like, I know this will sound like a little bit sad, which like, it's just the reality. Like I didn't have, you know, other than my brother, like parents, grandparents, anybody who would like really like play with us and hang out with us like that, you know? So like, I think that's another reason that I like enjoyed gaming so much. Like it was kind of, and we also had a really like overly strict household where we didn't really get a lot of time to like, get taken to the park or to go even play in our yard, which was granted very small, but so it's like, what else can you do except sit and like play pretend like with stuffed animals or play games. So a lot of our, you know, we had a very like indoor lifestyle as yes. a kid, and also a very like isolated one where it's really just me and my brother, which I think unfortunately is probably a pretty common story. Like I think that definitely was an era where a very, very, very hands-off parenting style. Definitely. Intensely common. And maybe too common, you know, but, <laughs> but like, that's the thing. Like, you know, they adults would do their own thing and like we kids would be separate. And that's why I was like, man, if you didn't have a sibling, that would have been real boring. Like, this, I don't got anything going on except tea, anything I can get from screens at the time. And like, you know, your imagination of like playing with stuffed animals and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that was very much the time. Like occasionally yeah. we'd go like, and she'd take us around if she needed to or like she would take us to the movies sometimes too and like we'd ride the bus there like she couldn't drive so we like rode the bus everywhere and like that was where i'd be playing the game boy and i'd have my little yes. case and i'd carry it with everything um and you know in in my room here and there angling it towards the sun the the things oh, of course. that we all experienced before backlight technology existed um but yeah, like that was the uh, that was the Game Boy, and it was it was a good time. I was excited to have one that wasn't gigantic. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that was very convenient. And I was very jealous when the color came out because again, could only get a couple consoles. I'm like, I can't get the color because if they're coming out with something else, and I won't be able to get the other thing if I get the color too close to the other thing. So I'm like, I guess I just won't. I just didn't get to see color. I got a color now as an adult, you know, to heal my inner child. I'm nice. like, yeah, that's right. I can buy whatever I want. Now. I don't <laughs> have kids. Like, I can just, what is this, like $10 now? You know, it's not very expensive. Like, 30 bucks, you can get a, a, a decent Game Boy color at this point. Um, but yeah, and I think that's kind of the fun, too, of like being on the other side and getting to either, you know, you mentioned buying stuff that you never got like before. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I never had this. I'm going to finally buy this console. Um, there's so many ways to... You know, if you have the privilege to have a, a bit of financial means uh, to enjoy the hobby or recontextualizing or re-experiencing what you had yeah. as a kid or what you didn't have as a kid. So, like, for me, having, you know, rebuying Super Mario Land 2, getting someone to spend a bunch of money for Christmas to get me a modded GBA. Yeah. I'm like, now I can enjoy Super Mario Land 2 in the highest fidelity, except you can just play it on the Switch and it looks better than that. But, you know, it's like at the time that I got these things, I'm like this will be the pinnacle of having those experiences again. And, and I think there's something really fun about that. So we'll see the next time I end up playing it. Um, I haven't dabbled in the Switch version. I think it could be fun. I mean, the rewind probably makes yeah. that Wario fight a lot easier. Definitely. And I would have used it if I had it as a kid. So, yes. you know, don't be shy to use the rewind feature. It'll get you through a lot of old games that were admittedly maybe hard because the game wasn't that long. I don't know, but I had yes. a good time either way. 
like intentionally uh, difficult to make the almost the, like back to the time value conversation, yeah. like it worth it. Um, uh, well, Janet, I feel like I've gotten to hear so much uh, great stuff from you, not just like your memories of the game, but also the context from your life. And so much, so many times throughout this conversation, I've like had another question ready to go that I've wanted to know, and you've just sort of led us into it. Um, so before we move on to some post-show, uh, segments that I have prepared for you, I just wanted to give you a chance to sort of like wrap up, uh, just tie a bow on whatever place this game held for you, however broad or specific. Yeah, I think the kind of last comments I want to say on this are, again, uh, go play this game if you haven't already. It's really fantastic. I think it ages really well. Again, playing it on the Switch, that rewind feature can skirt a lot of potential challenges that you may encounter that you maybe don't feel like wrestling with which is, yeah. is totally fair um i don't know if the switch still has the easy mode that i didn't know existed but that was a cool thing um and i think for me this game sort of sticks in my mind and feels like where it belongs in my history it is a little like weirdo fun fact game that i pull out of parties right it's like similar land 2 says golden coins it's not like an obscure game by any means but i think it's definitely one that missed a lot of people, whether it's because they just like didn't play it, whether they didn't have the access to it, or you know whether it's just one that they like let, let kind of pass them by. I think it was also a, an era of funky naming conventions too, <laughs> where like yeah. maybe you just kind of got lost in a shuffle <laughs> of things. Um, but I really love this. I think it's to me it represents some of the most creative, playful, and weird things that Nintendo has done with Mario, and I think it's proof and a reminder that as much as they continue to innovate and experiment with things like you know cappy and the capture mechanic from odyssey things like the weirdo stuff we're looking at for super mario Wonder oh, yeah. coming out it also shows that like oh nintendo's actually always been dabbling in odd creativity all their characters are a little bit like kirby mm-hmm. in surprising yeah. ways you know yoshi transforms like, everyone's kind of transforming and shifting and doing these things um and i guess the very last thing i want to say on it is For me, I think about this game a lot as also just a time of just, I don't know, enjoying games for the sake of enjoying games. And also, like, I think a nice comfort food game. Mm. Um, As much as I love dabbling in things and I'm always pushing to, like, hone my craft and keep up with things and all of that, um, I love to have, to leave space for um, nostalgia and joy outside of relevant content. Obviously, it's ironic as like I'm here making this into content, but it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it exists outside of that and will yes. continue to exist outside of that for a long time. And I think it's really important to have those spaces. And I urge all of you to, I guess, maybe do like a quick check in with yourself and see what is that game for you? Or what kind of games do you have for that? And what might it feel like to go back to that? Or when could you maybe make time to go back to that? Yeah. I'm not trying to pitch more work to people. But for me, I think of, you know, I took a week off a few years ago to do a staycation. And I'm like, I'm going to play Super Mario Sunshine. This before it was on Switch. Um, Super Mario Sunshine on my, you know, game my GameCube with the GCHD connection. Yeah. And I'm going to sit like two feet from the screen. And I'm just going to hang out. So while I think my brother was very wise to play the GameCube for one last weekend before going to the rest of his life as an adult i want to remind everybody that you there's always a chance to make a pocket for that and that it won't be exactly the same as when you're in the salon or in the bus or whatever like you can't get that back but you can create i think a little space for yourself to have those experiences and you know i urge you to go and seek those out because they're i think they're really important they're really fun and i think you'll be surprised by how much you can take away from giving yourself that opportunity 
Totally. It's a, it's like a, it's a window of like comfort nostalgia almost. Uh, but e- either way, uh, uh, Janet, thank you again so much for sharing all of that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was just so happy to hear from you about Super Mario Land 2, a game that I really love as well. Um, yeah. But I'll go ahead and lead us into our post-show segments um, today. Of course, the first of which is the Fact Me by Your Game segment, where I'm just going to share a couple of fun facts with you, the guest, about Super Mario Land 2. Um, the first of which, and actually both of these two facts that I've got today are coming from a gaming historian video. Do you, do you watch those videos at all from the mm-hmm. gaming historian? Yeah, yeah, gaming historian is great. You've probably seen this then, but this is from, he's got an uh, episode about all three Super Mario Land games. Uh, and so, of course, highlights the second one. Um, so both of these facts are going to come from that. The first of which I have titled N and B Easter Egg. Now, there are a lot of fun Easter eggs in Super Mario Land 2. I already pointed out the, like, Jason mask little uh, ghoul running around. Um, there's plenty. Um, but in the Mario Zone level, the one we talked about extensively, uh, <laughs> uh, the giant Mario mech that he made, I guess, for himself, um, uh, there are these, uh, in one level, these, like, Lego-looking blocks that are used um, as the platforms. Do you remember these little things in this mm-hmm. game? So, um uh, and they're even labeled uh, on some of the bigger areas as N and B. I don't know if it says N and B blocks, but it says N and B. And back in the 60s, when Nintendo was primarily a toy maker, uh, they created these blocks as a competitor with Lego. I didn't know if you were aware mm. of this at all. No, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Um, and then Gunpei Yokoi, who um, you know is known for like co-creating the the Game Boy, um, is also a producer of Super Mario Land 2, actually worked on those toys in the 60s. And so... Then they like end up in a game he produces. Mm. So, yeah, just thought that was like a little fun piece of history because I remember as a kid being like, "Those are Legos right there." Yeah, that's what I'm on. I have those. Um, gosh, that's funny. But um, the second fact I have for you is t- I have titled "Bluto Lives." Now, Super Mario Land Two, as we've already discussed ad nauseum, is the introduction to the famous Wario and uh, his his first game in the Mario series. Uh, and during development, R and D one wanted to create a new villain for Mario, and uh, Mario is a good guy, so they were thinking, what's the opposite of good? Well, it's obviously bad. And I guess the word uh, for bad in Japanese is wadue, and so they flipped the M upside down, quite literally what you said early, <laughs> earlier in the episode. Uh, it, you flip the Mario M upside down, and it creates Wario. And so they sort of imagined him as like a Bluto-type character mm-hmm. to Mario's Popeye and... Uh, it was funny even hearing from you reading from the encyclopedia of Mario, like referring to him as like an evil creep. And it's just like, well, Wario hasn't changed too much. Yeah. No, he's always been. He's, he's gross. That's yeah, Wario's yes. thing. And this game. He's gross and he's strong because his game is pretty good. Like Wario, the Wario Land games. Oh, yes. Were super fun. And, like, I had. Like, do his charge run and all that. I love that game. I actually, that's my favorite in the series of Super Mario Land. I really love uh, Wario Land, but in this game in particular, he's like extra big and nasty he's looking. He's really scary looking. Yes. Again, for the you know, get into the Google. Like if you have not seen, if you have not seen what an SNES Junior or what Wario in Super yes. Mario Land Two Six Golden Coins looks like, create two tabs and search them each in their subsequent tabs because, yeah, he's like kind of. Um, I don't, he's almost caricaturized, which is yes. like funny to think about because like obviously they're all kind of some degree of like cartoony because they're like little, you know, they're not, re- you know, it's not meant to mimic reality. It's like Mario Land, but he's like, his head is like double the size of his body and he yes. has like a smile. He smiles with the entirety of his mouth. He really <laughs> does. Everything about him. <laughs> 
his eyes are also huge. They're like popping out of his skull. Yeah, he he looks a little deranged here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, that'll that'll clear the the factory by your game segment. It'll lead us into the final one, the game recommendations. Um, and as you uh, probably heard on the previous episode, this is my one forced tie into the movie Call Me by Your Name, where. I'm going to treat Super Mario Land 2 as your passionate summer fling that you had in Italy. And I'm going to try to, you know, as that doesn't isn't going to work out for you, I'm going to try to find a couple of flings uh, that you can attach yourself to that might help you get over that, um, that heartbreak, that is. Um, so I've got three for you today. The first of which is if what you took away from this game is you just love this Wario guy and you want to get goofy with him. Maybe, you know, he looks a little creepy and he's very scary. But maybe he's got a goofy side. I'll recommend my favorite WarioWare game, WarioWare Smooth Moves, uh, for your favorite console, the Wii. Nice. Uh, have you played have that played, one at all? I have not played Smooth Moves. I haven't played most of those Wii games. I'm just waiting for them to, like, when they get ported over and things, yes. like, I dabble. Totally. And then, like, because the hardware, it's a class Nintendo thing, the hardware is so specific that they often struggle to be able to, like, really port stuff over and, like, the switch off the drug, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, no, but I've I've been interested in checking out some of the other WarioWare games. Yeah. The only one I've played is the one that came out on Switch, like, last year or something. And yeah. I liked it fine, but, like, everyone that liked WarioWare was like, this isn't really what it's supposed to be like. And I'm like, yes. oh, okay. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it, that's an interesting spot to be at because I'm like, oh, yeah, this was okay. And they're like, and everyone's just kind of like, no, 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 no. You have to see what it really is sure. about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would be down because I like, I, en- I enjoy like the quick, the quick little mini gameness of totally. uh, those titles. I think that um, the real better recommendation would probably be the one that's coming out this fall because yeah. it looks like, I think it even has move uh, in the title. It looks like a spiritual successor to that mm-hmm. using the Joy-Cons in different ways, which like anytime I can have a game that gets people involved who don't play games. And to have a good time, like, I'm in. So anyway, uh, pick, take your pick there. But the second recommendation I have for you is if uh, what you took away from this game is you just loved another uh, – It was that it was a masterful successor to a great series being Super Mario series. Um, another one I have to recommend to you is Donkey Kong 94. Have you ever played this game for the Game Boy? No. So – while the game starts off, uh, the first four levels, literally you are re- replaying the first four levels of the original Donkey Kong arcade game. It then turns into more of a puzzle platformer with Mario. Uh, and I truly think it's one of the greatest Game Boy games of all time um, where you're essentially just going through levels trying to get to the end. But the way you solve the puzzles and is really fun. So... That's one that they, they've got to bring to Switch Online to the Game Boy because it's just a knockout. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen this one before, actually. Yeah, it's like, it's very, very fun. There's some, el- I mean, being a Super Mario 64 fan, there are some uh, jumps that debut in this game that they use in 64, like the side jump or the triple mm. jump, um, which uh, I didn't know until I played it. But anyway, highly recommend Donkey Kong 94. And then lastly... Your final recommendation is if what you took away from this game was that you just need something else that also has another earth-shattering newcomer in a classic series. We had Wario for this. Well, I'll go ahead and steer you toward The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask because we got Tingle in that game. And boy, I think Tingle is going to do it for you just like the way Wario did. Yeah, t- I, I guess I forgot that that's where, you know, everyone started somewhere. And I guess yes. people started Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask's is a game that I've been 
dying to get off my back because I never finished it. I started on the 3DS. Oh, um, nice. And I got to the water temple and I got kind of like like spooked out by it because everyone yeah. was really hard. And I'm like, man, I don't be knowing anything. And I'm like, I'll get to this <laughs> later. And I just like never picked up the game again. Yes. Um, but also that game's like, you know, I mean, it's time thing I find particularly challenging. And totally. I get that's like the whole point of the game. It's like the whole like the whole mm-hmm. game is that. And I'm like, I know this is your thing, but also like that's something that I wouldn't mind having because even the rewind wouldn't help that much, though, is the thing. Yeah. But, and but the, but the game is fun. It's got like a like a funky shtick to it. Yeah. Which a lot of Zelda games weirdly do, like despite being kind of a more seemingly like it's a fantasy world, obviously, but like it yes. feels like a more grounded series. But every now and then they like get, get a little bit wacky with it. And oh, yeah. Mask is, is kind of one of those. Yeah, and it, you know, I'll I'll say, I'll be transparent and say that, like, it actually is my personal favorite game, period, but I understand that, like, the barrier for entry on that game is so much higher than the majority of Zelda games, and, like, the time mechanic and all that can be very off-putting. Like, it's only because I fell in love with Ocarina of Time right before Majora came out as, like, a 9 or 10-year-old mm-hmm. that I was able to play this for, I don't know. 23 years now and then so now the time mechanic is nothing to me because i know the game backwards and forwards but to a newcomer like it's not it's never the one i'm going to recommend to someone as much as like it's my favorite so anyway i'll go ahead and wrap up your recommendations uh we've got WarioWare smooth moves donkey kong 94 and the legend of zelda majora's mask but only because tingle made his debut there uh that'll do it for the game recommendations and that'll actually bring us uh to the end of the show so before we go and plug whatever we'd like, even plugging stuff we've both talked about already today, just wanted to say thanks again, Janet, for joining me. This is so much fun to talk with you a bit and hear from you about, you know, not just Super Mario Land 2, but different portions of your life when it comes to games in general. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, well, what would you like to plug on your way out today, even if you've already brought it up? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, again, a reminder, you can support my work over on patreon.com slash game That's game O N. Y-S-U-S. And then you can follow me um, on all socials and all content platforms because like Twitch, YouTube, everything mm. under the handle Game Onesis. Again, spelled the same way. Um, I have that everywhere. I don't know what they'll make next after yeah. this podcast airs, <laughs> but I will be on there too as Game Onesis. And I appreciate it if y'all don't try to steal that from me because yeah, it's don't. one of the only things I have. <laughs> Yeah, please don't get ahead of that list. I don't want one of my listeners to be the person who does that. Um, <laughs> well, great. Um, well, yeah, I'll go ahead and just put links to show notes to all that so people can just click quite easily and find that. But I'll go ahead and close this out with some plugs of my own. Uh, like I said earlier, the cover art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find his other great work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. Uh, you can find me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe uh, on, I guess that's Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69, where I've been streaming a season of backyard baseball that I've been playing online and Grim Fandango, which I'm playing for an upcoming co-op series. Uh, and then uh, the show is also produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. You should check out his podcast, Video Games, a comedy show, wherever you get your shows. Uh, And lastly, again, like I already said, you can check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where like I said, starting 
This Friday, when you're listening to this episode, our Sonic Adventure Games Club series is starting. It's a weekly series that comes out every Friday for our $10 DJ Toads. And those Toads, you also get three bonus podcasts per week. So that's about 12 a month. It's a great thing over there. So if you like me and the conversations I have with people about video games, I think you're going to like what you find there. But that'll do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. And we will see you on the next one.